Uh, so I'm in uh, Boston. I'm like 30 minutes north of Boston. So. Oh, you're in my town. <laughs> What's that? I said you're in my town. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I got uh, I went, you know, I went to Northeastern. I transferred to Northeastern when I left Georgetown. Oh, did you? Yeah, and uh, I actually got a section in my book about Boston. Really? That's all. Boston got, Boston got an underground basketball scene that I didn't have a clue about. That was great. Mm -hmm. It was a big part of my career. Yeah. When was um? When was the last time you were? Uh, where are you at right now? Actually, DC. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. 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 What? So when was the last time you were in the city, Boston? Three years ago. Three years. No, oh man. Actually, longer than that. It was like four years ago. I came up there to play in the league. It was a money tournament. Yeah. And I came up for that, and then I stayed for like a week. Though, I got a bunch of friends up there. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Yo, we need to get cheat codes. Out in Boston, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure, definitely. For sure, man. Yo, appreciate it again. Uh, Prime objective, everybody, the legend. Um, yeah, so uh, Prime, I mean, I guess, you know, start us off with, you know, how you uh, got started and, and grew a passion for the game of basketball. Well, I, I first was a football fan. Yeah. I love football. So I was playing football since I was like eight years old. But, you know, back then in the neighborhood growing up, we played all sports. Mm. You know, we played baseball, football, basketball. So we didn't play volleyball. We right. played everything. And then, um, you know, just being on the basketball court with my friends, I started growing a little bit. I wasn't super tall. I guess at that time, 5'11 was tall for our age. Yeah. I was taller than all my friends. And uh, our recreation coach, he um, just had us out there. You know, we played all sports, all season around. So, you know, basketball season came. I liked basketball. I fell in love with the game. But um, I was uh, – my uncle, he had bought me a poster, Iceman. You know, the one when sitting on the blocks, he had his legs crossed with silver on, holding the two balls. That was on my wall. So that that right there was just constantly, I saw it every day, you know. And then when I finally got a chance to see Iceman play, he was getting older, but he still, you know, was nice. He still was good. Right. And then, I, you know, I got hip to Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. So that was my era pretty much. So it was at the time when the Weapons Converse sneakers that came out. Yeah. So I was watching Bird and yeah. they Clash, and you know I started copying them two guys. I started doing what they was doing. Right. So it was like that was my first passion. That's what made me passionate about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for sure, man. I mean, yeah. The, I mean, those Converse commercials were legendary. Like I still see them on uh on YouTube with, with uh, Bird and Magic. But uh, yeah. I mean, it's tough for you, right? Because you were saying like you're a Boston guy, so like. Are you taking Magic? You taking Bird? Or <laughs> I'm a Lakers fan, man. Magic. Oh, man. But I, <laughs> I defend Bird. I defend Bird daily, though. Like, you know, like even today, they tell me who's the best small forwards in the world. I'm a big Scottie Pippen fan. And Scottie Pippen and Larry Bird, to me, are both better than uh, LeBron. Mm, and, really? I, you know, I got arguments for it. Yeah. Proof in the pudding. You we're, know, it's we're, the yeah. about the numbers is how they play the game. Yeah. Hey, man. I mean, if we have time, we'd love to hear it, man. We'd love, we'd love to hear those thoughts. I mean, that's a hot take right there. So respect. Yeah. Um, yeah, um you know, it's cool because we, um, you know, we, we, I was telling you, like, we talked to Maine, uh, made a event a few, few weeks back. And, um, you know, we talked to the professor too. And, you know, uh, they, they sort of told us about their journey with Van One and, and, um, you know, how they got recruited. And, and you know, I'm, I'm just curious. No, I, we love to hear your side of the story. Like, how, how did you get recruited in the N1 team? Um, you know, it's interesting. You know, we, 
uh, man was telling us like it was almost acted like a business, right? And branding and marketing and, and you know, the side of that people don't see. So we'd love to hear your side of that as well, man. Yeah, so mine was a little different. They had already started, you know, putting the team together. This was like, so I guess it's like sections of Anwar. Like the beginning part was Skip, but what people really don't know was Stefan first. Stefan Marbury was the first signed player to Anwar. He had the first endorsement deal. Skip Tate just put it in the country, you know, let, let everybody see what Anwar was. They branded, he, he the one who branded Anwar. Um, then after that is when they were riding around in the vans and stuff. That's when it was Main Shane, Future, uh, Headache, you know, those guys. Those are the original tour guys. And then right after that was when um, Hot Sauce and AO Tape came out. Mm. So this was all before the big tour. So during that time, while they were doing that, I, were play I was playing at the Rucker mm. in the summer times. And I actually played in a few games against the M1 team. Like when they, when the All-Star game was in DC in 2000, right. I helped put the team together to play against them. Mm. And that was from a guy who just randomly, you know, he knew me from the Rucker and knew I was in DC. I was like, hey, we come to DC and got a game at George Washington University. I mean, you got some guys, you know, bring a couple guys through, come play in this game and you know, we're gonna pay you whatever. So I did it. So after that, they invited me to come and play with those guys on tour. And I was like, nah, I'm trying to get in the league. Right. Yeah. So I was playing in the D League at the time and everything. So after that, I was still playing at the Rucker and everything. Then when I went back to playing the D League, um, D League wore Reeboks. I couldn't stand Reeboks. It's like Reeboks was for really? flat people. Yeah, it had no crush support. And it's like my foot just would be hurting. It was, they were comfortable. They were right. good, but not for me. You know, my foot was hurting. My arch, they didn't have a lot of arch support. So I called and one. They said, because uh, the D-League said you had to have a contract. And the contract had to pay at least $3,000. It couldn't be, uh, it, could, it can't be an apparel contract. Right. <clears throat> it has to be an endorsement deal. So I was like, shoot. So I called and one. I was like, yo, they said that we need to, you know, I need a $3,000, this, that, or whatever, whatever. And he was like, oh, no problem. I sent a contract over and we'll forward the contract to them. So before they even sent the contract to me, they sent it in to the, in the D-League office. And I, had no, I didn't know the numbers on the contract or whatever, but they sent me a full contract. They didn't care about the $3,000 because they wanted me to come on tour. Mm -hmm. So they sent me like a legit full contract to, be, yeah. to say it was, it was five figures. Right. Wow. And high five figures too. And to just wear the sneakers in the D League because I wasn't on tour. Right. So the league was tripping. They was like, uh, yeah, y'all don't have to give him this much money. And they was like, why are you worrying about how much we're paying him? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was crazy. So that was kicks the kick the door open. But after a while, I started learning about the politics of the D League. Cause at the time, I was uh doing really, really well in the D League. Like I was um in the top category for everything almost in stats. And then when, when everything hit the fan, I got tired of the politics. I wasn't getting called up, you know, to the NBA and everything. I just called and one. I was like, yo, I'm ready. And that was the year the tour just was about to go to the arenas and on the bus, the big tour. Right. So I signed right that winter before that Jeez. summer of the big tour. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. So, like, did the league give you a hard time about that? Like, about you leaving or, or – you know, they, they couldn't because I actually left right after a game because it's funny. Um, we were playing in uh, 
actually, I, I, I traded teams. I, first, I was in Huntsville, Alabama. Then I got traded to Georgia, and Jeff Malone, mm. the head coach. Right. So we were about to play a game, and then I seen a scout. He was from the Indiana Pacers, and he used to coach in the USBL for a team in Atlantic City, and he loved me. He always wanted me to come play for his team, and I wouldn't do it. I liked playing against him because he had the best team all the time. Yeah. And he was like, what are you doing here? I said, what you mean what I'm doing here? I said, I've been playing in the D-League for like three years. So he had a list, and he was like, I don't see you on here. And he said, and I know how you play. He said, right. we get this list every Monday of the players to watch that, you know, we should pull up, that we should call up. He said, because we, we need a 10-day contract because Reggie Miller just sprained the ankle. Mm. He was like, I wouldn't even have to come here if I knew you was here. But you're untouchable. He was like, you're not on this list, so I, I can't call you up. I was like, are you serious? He was like, yeah. And after that game, I went off in that game too. I, like, I was being rebellious. I was done. Like, mentally, I, that, that was the last stroke. I'd already been there for three years. Mm. So after the game, I went back to my hotel. I had tons of boxes of AM1 stuff. I called my teammates. I was like, yo, there's stuff in here. Sneakers, sweats, everything. Y'all can have it. Because I couldn't take it with me. I was fed up. I was ready to leave right then and there. I just packed up two bags. Went to the airport. Then when I got to the airport, I called the president of the league. And I was like, yo, I'm done. He was like, what you mean? I said, I'm done. I'm not playing this league anymore. Yeah. He was like, what? I said, yeah, I'm gone. I'm at the airport right now. He was like, you're going to get fined. I was like, you're not listening. You can have that money. I'm gone. I'm done. Right. And I said, you don't, you don't think I deserve the opportunity? I said, I'm not getting any call-ups. Other players on my team getting workouts and everything. I said, I haven't got a workout. I said, you don't think I deserve that? He was like, oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So then I told him the story about the uh, scout. Mm. And he ain't have anything to say. I was like, thanks, but no thanks. And I just hung the phone up. My flight came, and I paid for my flight at the airport. So you know it was expensive. I was done. And I flew to Miami. <laughs> I flew, no, no, I didn't fly to Miami. I flew, where did I go? Oh, I had to go back to Alabama first because I just got traded. I just got traded. I only played like 11 games, and I didn't get all my stuff. So I right. flew to Alabama and rented a car. And I drove all the way from Alabama to Miami. Jeez. Yeah. And I moved there. I moved to Miami. That was, that was wow. my home. I stayed, I was in Miami for eight years. So the whole time I was on tour, I was living in Miami. Like, yeah. Wow. Respect. And, and that was the start for you, like really joining in one? Like what, what, was, what, was, um, like what was your teammates' reaction in the D League when they, they heard this news? Did they, did they say? I didn't, I didn't even talk to them about it. I just told them I was leaving. I was done. Yeah. I didn't tell them why or anything. So right. they didn't yeah. know. And actually, when I called them and told them, I was already gone to the airport. Right. I left my door open. So I told them that the door was open in the apartment. Because yeah. it wasn't in my name. The league was paying for it. So mm -hmm. I just left it unlocked. And I told them, I said, there's a ton of stuff in there. Y'all can go get it. Oh, man. Jeez, that's, that's a crazy story, man. So what was, on the other end, like, what was the reaction of, you know, the and one crew when, when you came through or, or when you told them you were interested in joining, were they all hyped or? The, um, well, none of them knew at first, except for A.O. Because, man, A.O. became friends during the D-League. He was mm -hmm. playing um, Alabama as well in a different team, though. I was in Huntsville. He was in Mobile, Mobile, Alabama. But when we played each other, that's when we first met. Right. We knew of each other, but that's when we first met and started becoming friends. And um, so he knew. I, haven't, I knew the other guys from playing in the Rucker. Mm. 
So we were all cool and everything. And they knew, you know, I would be there. So before the tour, we always do a training camp. Right. We all fly up to Philly and we'll be there for a week. So, you know, that's that's how that process went. Yeah. So so what were, you know, because you're someone that was like in the D League and it with and one, like what were the practices like with and one, right? Like what what was that schedule like, right? Like once you committed to, you know, the and one slash and one tour. Other than training camp, which was nothing but pretty much sitting down, going over the tour. We had classes. We've been, we've been there. They'd go over the whole tour. They'd let us know the structure of the tour. They'd let us know about media stuff. We, they had media people come in to teach us about media. Um, we would scrimmage against the staff because the majority of staff play ball. A lot of them play college ball. Huh. So we would play against them every day before lunch, after lunch rather, and then that was it pretty much. So when we was on tour, we never practiced. We'd just find a gym and go play pickup or we'd go outside and play pickup. So it was, it was never practice, no practice. Wow. So, so was this before the funding of ESPN or after? This was at the same time because that's when we got the show. Okay. That's when the show came out. So okay. what was that, you want to say, oh, two maybe? Right, 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 right. right. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I was just curious too, like with, with the N1, it just blew up, right? Like it was just a huge – Huge thing, like, it was funny, man. Like, I, I was telling the other guys this, too. Like, growing up, like, I was – like, and one was the reason why I, like, loved watching basketball, man. Like, watching yeah. guys. And I had um, I had the video game, too. So, like, I played that video game, like, 24-7. And what's funny is my dad – my I, I told my dad I wanted a uh, basketball video game for uh, PS2. And he, he goes to a garage sale, and I thought he was going to get, like, NBA, 2K, or whatever. He comes back, and, and he, he shows me, like, and one. I'm like, wait, what's this? Like, this is – and, like, I'm, I'm seven, man. Like, I'm, I'm, like, pretty young, and, and I'm, I'm playing, and uh, it's just, like, hilarious because my friends come over, and they're like, what is this? We're all young. We're all on the sticks, like, playing. And, you know, we, we all loved day one, like, growing up. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy to see how it blew up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess one of the things I was going to ask is, like, you know, that process leading up to when it blew up, right? Like, you joined a little bit later, but, like, was it tough, like, to get that funding? Like, how, how did the league keep going for actually a pretty long time? They had, um, well, you know, the sponsors, they had Mountain Dew. That was one of their biggest relationships, Mountain Dew. Um, then Boost Mobile came around. Boost Mobile came around and threw a lot of money at it, too. Boost Mobile actually, even though they weren't the title sponsor, they actually wound up putting in more money than Mountain Dew did. Mm-hmm. And they came on a tour with us. Right. They, they had their own bus. They had events in every city that we went to. They had their own marketing team out. And then at that time, Boost Mobile was hot because they were they, they were representing Ludacris, Kanye West, yeah. Young GZ. So they had a whole lot going on. They had a lot of money. That company had a lot of money. Yeah. I, I had a great relationship with them, and I wound up being sponsored by them individually. Mm-hmm. And then A.O. was my, you know, my guy, and I pulled him on board with us. So me and A.O. was sponsored by Boost Mobile. But that's one of the reasons why that tour was able to continue. And then they had an outside sponsor. They had this guy from Kansas. Right. I forgot his name. Shoot. But he was a big money guy. And yeah. he was – it was pretty much it was his tour. Mm. It was his tour. So he was the, the main funder for the mm. tour. 
so, can't remember what his name was. So it was just like through each of you, each of the guys, like individual mixtapes in which, you know, that's what Boost Mobile was sponsoring initially, right? But even before the tour, right? Like it was just each individual's like tape and, and highlight reel, et cetera. I mean, that's, that's, um, that's crazy. It, so it was Boost Mobile and Mountain Dew, you said, that, that really um, were the backbone. Those two sponsors were, and the guy who was the, uh, right. my partner pretty much. Right. So, yeah, because that's interesting because, um, you know, because then a year or so after, or a couple of years after, like, they did the ESPN series. Um, and then, you know, after the ESPN series, it seemed like, you know, all you guys were doing your own thing. Like, it sort of, you know, split up a little bit. How, what was, like, Boost Mobile's and, and, and Mountain Dew's reaction to that? Like, how, how did you get, like, to the ESPN, you know, cutting it off or – we, we really didn't have any contact or control over that stuff. It was uh, the production company was called Hawk Films. And um, a few of the guys, we're still, actually still friends with now. Um, they were the cameramen, pretty much. They were doing all the work. They was on tour with us the whole time. So we got to know them really well. Um, but when the tour was over and the ESPN part stopped, that was mainly because they sold the company. So when they sold the company, the new guy wasn't interested in the tour at all. So that's where that relationship broke off at. So it wasn't pretty much just that it fell off. No, right. he shut it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And then one of the ladies who was, uh, she was doing marketing at the time, they let her take over. Mm. And she had her own agenda as well. So mm. it just all fell apart. Yeah, yeah. No, man. Hey, like I said, it was... <laughs> I, I gotta tell you, without M one, I wouldn't watch basketball, man. Well, I watch two AO and all those guys. Like, it's crazy, man. It was it was fun. Um, yeah. Did you guys ever play the video game on tour? Like or like what what, what did you guys do like on your free time when you guys were on tour and you know take that? They, they used to play it a lot. <clears throat> I didn't. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Good gracious try to attack me uh, but they used to play it a lot on the bus and everything i didn't play video games a lot but they did and that it's so crazy i was so pissed off i was looking for my copy of the video game you know just to have as memorabilia and i can't find it oh really i don't know where it's at oh. I, I did play it a few times because one of my friends i used to go visit all the time back in my old neighborhood they used Good. to play it all the time so I'll be there, and I will hop on the sticks and, you know, play a game here and there. But um, mainly on the bus, we just talk a lot of trash, man. We sit around and, you know, play games, like regular games, cards. You know, they had one bus. It was a smoking bus. They'd be on there smoking weed. <laughs> guys would be on the bus drinking. It was just – I mean, it was just whatever. Whatever was the thing at the time. Like, yeah. it was one episode, we were so bored, man. A.O. at a gas station, at a stop, rest stop, we bought these big old giant coloring books. Yeah. And we were on the bus. They showed it on the show. We was on the bus coloring. So it was oh, just, man. you know, whatever it was, to, you know, fill that, that time void. That's what we did. Yeah, man. That's that's awesome, man. So what was, the, like, what was the international travel like, right? Like, that must have been surreal. Yeah, that was amazing. The international tour was right. That was one of the best. That that was uh, actually international and the winter tour were probably better than the summer tour. Summer tour was all that was fun, right? But if you want to rank, you know, which was the best, 
international tour was just so, so crazy, man. And um, one thing I learned about traveling internationally, their flight's not as long as ours. Mm. And I couldn't understand that. And they said the reason why was in the United States, the uh, air traffic was heavier and the flight patterns are different for safety purposes and all this stuff. But it was, I, I promise you, it wasn't a flight over 30 minutes overseas. Oh. Everything was like this. And we no, were trying to it. figure out why. Huh? Was it in Europe? Was it in Europe? Yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I've heard those flights are quick, right? Because it's right. Every flight was quick. And even when we left, when we went to like, um, where did we go? When we left Europe, we went to, I can't even remember right now. But we yeah. just, we just, New Zealand. Okay. Like, New Zealand was a quick flight, so right. it's, it was crazy. And you know, New Zealand is off in the water by itself somewhere. Yeah. Those flights yeah. were just snappy, man, everything. Yeah. yeah, I mean, was there, talk about like the fan base internationally compared to like the U.S., like, you know, did you guys have fans like crowding around your hotels and stuff? Like, you know, did you see a difference internationally versus within the country? Yeah, it was, it was a huge difference. Like, you know, in the States, we always did an open run. So people out there early to watch the open run mm. um, way before the game comes and everything. But internationally, we had the open runs, but at the same time, it was lines around the building early. Even while the open run was going on, people was holding their place in line. So some people would watch the open run, but others would be in line. And the crowds were huger. They, every place in the, internationally was sold out. Every last one. I don't know the number specific, but Japan was sick. Like, it took us almost 30 minutes to get down a block once we got close to the arena because the fans was all in the street. They was banging on the bus, trying really? to take the window, the whole wow. night. Like, it was, it was amazing. Japan was incredible. And that was a whole event. Like, that was an event. And when we did that overrun, because, you know, I used to be on the mic a lot in the overruns, it took forever to walk from the open run to the gym because it was so many people. Like security couldn't even help you. It was so many people. Thank you know, thank God it was a good thing that nobody out there was, you know, being violent or anything because yeah. it was no safety. It was no safety. Like, we were right there. They grab on you, hold you, tug you. <laughs> just had to be nice, you know, had to be nice, sign a few autographs, keep walking, trying to just get through the crowd as best you could. But it was ridiculous. France was crazy. Serbia was literally crazy. Like that <laughs> That country is wild. We had police escort all day, every day in Serbia. We couldn't leave a hotel without police escort in Serbia. I mean, you know, because that whole thing with Americans. Right, 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 right. And, uh, and I understand it because if you look at the city, we was right downtown. They had a lot of buildings that were bombed. Still, you know, the structures were still damaged. As you can see where the bombs hit and everything. So that's in their minds every day. You know, every day they go to work. They see this stuff, you know, they got to see us every day. So it was a lot of tension. So when we played the game, the game was packed, it was sold out. And this was probably one of our tougher opponents too. It was like they're professional players. Mm. And it was very physical, it was a lot of fouling and bumping and pushing and hitting going on. And then Biz got into a fight with one of the players. Mm. But the difference this time, and we had, it was police all around the court. They were was, was standing all around the court. So when the fight broke out, the fans started jumping out the stands, trying to get to us. Yeah. <laughs> the police was just, they right. were stopping them. And we had to get together and all rush back in the back 
to the locker room. And they had to seal us off. Police had to hold it off. Like, yeah, Serbia got crazy. That's nuts, man. So, like, yeah. that, that's insane because, like, you know, it seemed like in the U.S., like, the open runs and et cetera, like, before games, like, it was almost more accessible for fans to see you guys, right? Yep. And – but it seemed like you guys got more traction internationally than, than – um, right? Like, how – how did that reach out? Did Boost Mobile play a huge part of the marketing and for that? Boost did in some parts, definitely like Australia. Boost had Australia on lock because they had a Boost Mobile Australia. Mm. So they definitely played a part internationally huge big time. And um, the tapes did as well. They, they got around. They spread it around. That's crazy. Same, like, same way like Rucker Park uh, Entertainers Basketball Classic, EBC. That, yeah. that spread it. I was shocked because when I first got on tour, I didn't think anybody would know me. And our first thought was uh, Seattle. And I was shocked because the kids was like, prime, prime. They saw me on EBC. Mm. So that stuff just got out, man. It just went national. It was crazy. Yeah. It, was, it was just amazing to see how they knew everybody. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, that's, that's insane. So, so, like, within the U.S., like, you know, like, how would, um, you know, would they ever have to maintain the fans – for that, like you talked about the open runs, like within U.S. or were people usually just pretty chill, just watching the game? Like, because I would watch the the highlights at the park and stuff, and it just looks like people are standing there, literally almost on the court, right? Yeah. Like, how, like, like, is this safe? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you even, how do you even like block that out? Like, was there any any issues with that? Like, when you're playing at local parks like that? Not really, but it it was. The international fans is different from the United States fans. Like, internationally, they're really fanatics. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And maybe because we're so far away and the time for them to see us is so limited. You know, mm -hmm. in the States, we're here. And it's a possibility that they can see us whenever or however, you know. Right. So we're actually there and it's so crowded and everything. You got the kids and the people being fans want autographs. They want your sneakers. They want a T-shirt and things right. of that nature. But it's not too much touchy Philly. They're not trying to be yeah. all on top of you. Yeah. And that's they're trying to touch you. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to touch you. Yeah. They want to feel you. They want to touch the skin. You know, it's it's crazy. It's yeah, crazy. that's crazy, man. Like, you have people crying and like <laughs> Michael Jackson type stuff, man. Jeez, man. That's yeah. crazy. Rock so, lifestyle. Yeah, no, for sure. It sounds like it. So did did any NBA stars like reach out to you guys, you know, during this time? Like during, you know, when and one blew up or, um, you know, because for, for you, it must be interesting, right? Because you, you were sort of affiliated with the NBA, you played in the D League, and then, you know, you go to and one and it's like, you know, it, it's something totally different, right? So it's like, um, you know, you have a unique perspective on it. Did, did any stars reach out to you or, or say, man, like, you know, this is pretty cool? I was, I was sort of in that world before. I even got to and one like years before. Like as soon as I got out of, the co out of college, I went to Orlando. I was at the Magic. I was there with Penny Hardaway. Was there Dennis Scott, Nick Anderson. I was with that whole crew. That was a year after they played Houston in the uh, finals. And back then, you know, I knew Magic Johnson. I was going to L.A. for Magic Johnson weekend. You know, I knew so many people. Like I was dealing with um, Jay Z, uh, Jermaine Dupri in Atlanta. So I was in that circle already through friends and also the Source Magazine at the time. So I used to play basketball for Source Magazine. Like the guy who owned the Source, they used to play in a little tournament. Master P used to have tournaments 
Nelly used to have tournaments. All these guys used to have tournaments, and I would fly in these cities and go play. So this was all way before AM1. So I was already in that oh, that circle. Right. So during the time when we was on tour with AM1, um, the guys used to be like wondering how I know all these people because every city we went to, I would have a, t- a, cr- a team there, a crew there. You know, I knew some girls there. Yeah. <laughs> every city. So I already had it lined up. Like they knew I was coming. I hit them up like, yo, I'll be there this day, that day. Sometimes we get to the hotel. They had the hotel waiting on me already when we arriving. We pulling up. So I was already in that circle. And then I used to play in a lot of uh, charity events. Like Terrell Owens used to have charity events. I, they would fly me in to come play. Uh, Big Tigger, they used to be on BT. He had events that they'll fly me in to come play. So that was my lifestyle already. So that whole part, and then the NBA players and everything. Like I knew them. I knew everybody. So I was already tapped and plugged into that. That's crazy, man. So, like, did they – what was their reaction to and one, right? Like, did you mention, like, Jay-Z and, um, you know, you, you must have been somewhat close to Terrell Owens as well um, at the time. You know, what what were these stars' reactions to uh, to uh, to and one? And you said Magic Johnson as well, right? I mean, that must have been cool, too, because you said you grew up watching that guy. So, um, just talk about, you know, those guys' reactions to and one. They used to love it. They, it was so entertaining, you know. It was um, – at the time, the media tried to act like it was bad basketball for the kids, that we were ruining the game and stuff like that. But the players didn't think that way. The players loved it. They, they really, really loved it. They embraced it. They loved the players. Like, a lot of the players have relationships with NBA players as well. Like, Shaq loved main event and Shane. Right. You know, so it was it – was, um, AO had tons of relationships because, you know, he's from Philly. So it's a whole bunch of ballers from Philly that was in the league. Katino Mobley, one of his great friends, but she Wallace, right. you know, guys like that. So everybody has some type of relationships with NBA players and the NBA players knew us and they knew that we could play regular basketball. If that's what yeah. you want to call it, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they really loved it and embraced it. And if you even see today that, um, you know how people say they're doing stuff for the culture now, that's like a big thing, like right. doing it for the culture, like, that was us back then. We were doing it for the yeah. culture back then. And today, NBA players, you know, some of the players now, they were watching that's coming up. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, like yeah. Damian Lillard had mentioned it before, yeah. you know, it influenced his game, you know, Kyrie, all these guys. So yeah. it was definitely embraced by the players, and the players, they loved it. They definitely loved it. Yeah, no, you know, it, it's funny you mentioned that because Maine me, me was talking about that too, right, where, like, you know, street ball was sort of like – you know, I guess David Stern was like, all right, like, if we let you in or affiliate with the NBA, like, you said, quote, like, you're you're basically letting in a can of worms or some, something, right, or, or something crazy where it's like, um, you know, like streetball versus professional basketball. And, and you guys made it happen, man. Like, you know, you guys really did make a career out of that and, and, and changed the game forever. Um, you know, I mean, that, that must have been crazy, you know, to have NBA players – you know, reaching back out to you, to you, where it's like, you know, guys like Shaq and, and all that, and like, and, and you mentioned the other big names, that's crazy. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how much time you got, so I, I don't want to keep you much too, too much longer. Um, but uh, one thing I wanted to ask was, you know, did it change at all when, when Professor came on tour and, you know, in the midst of that ESPN series where they really 
where, where you guys were really on the stage and even more. And, you know, you guys played in Madison Square Garden. And um, I believe that was the summer tour. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, did you, did you, you know, I guess over the years, did you notice any difference where it was getting better and better? And he, um, Fest came at a perfect time. And um, I actually, actually, I think to me, on the business side of things, he was needed, he was necessary. Uh, you know, I'm gonna be transparent and people can say, they can call it a token, like he's a token white boy, right? Mm -hmm. So I look at it this way, he was a young kid that can really play, like he can flat out play. If you look at his career with N1, look at the big games, he hit big shots and things like that, he was perfect at the time, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Because he was young, because he could play, and because he was the only small white kid. He was a cute little kid that, what people now say, uh, what, is, what is the word I'm trying to say? Um, mainstream. Mm. He was already mainstream, but now he really made it mainstream. Right. I think Anwan mishandled him. I think they mishandled him because of greed. Mm, really? Yeah, because of greed. Because right. he could have done so much more when the doors opened up and he earned his way in there. Like I'm the one, I chose him. I picked him out of the um, open run because I saw fundamental stuff that he had and they wasn't passing him the ball because he was just this little small white kid on the court right. and everybody else dunking and doing everything. And I just saw him get the ball one time and I saw a fundamental full court pass he had thrown. And when they started picking everybody to come back to play the next game, I was like, hold on, get this kid, pick this kid. Because mm. nobody was picking him and then I was like, give him the ball, clear it out. He got the ball and started going to work. I said, I knew this kid could play. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like we just grabbed him because he was the only white kid on the court. Like, he could play. He could flat out play. Then when he came in the gym, because if you think about it, we had another small white kid before that. Little small kid was doing these tricks. He was rolling around on the ground. He was real young. He was small. Mm -hmm. It was just, he was, he was a cute thing. Like, that's what it was with him. He was just a cute kid yeah. that, you know, we came in let play. But Fess could actually play. He could play. He was going at our guards and everything. So he came in the gym, in the arena, in the big game, and he did his thing. Like, he did his thing. Then when we were on the bus, he was just so different. He was quiet. He was nervous. And people didn't know all his personality that he had. Like, Fess is funny. Yeah. But we had to get that out of him. So his whole maturation from making it from open run coming into the arena, then going to the gardens and hitting a big shot. Game winner, we lost. Yeah. He was a game winner on us, and we lost. Like, I don't think they saw the bigger picture of what and where we could have gone just off of him coming on tour. Mm -hmm. But you know what, though? He saw it. And that's why today he's still doing what he's doing right now in that space. Because now he has people around him who's caring for him and one that the company didn't care for the players. They did not. And I can say that right here now. And I don't, I, I don't mind. I can say that. They didn't care for the players. They only cared about the brand. They had a plan. And their plan, like all businesses do, they had a plan to build it up and sell it. Right. They had a plan to build it up and sell it. But honestly, I think if they would have held on to it and didn't sell so fast, but they, like I said, they had a plan because they moved on to the next thing. They started doing, I think, like uh, video game poker or something the guys who owned it. But if they would have held on to it, it would be worth 10 times more than what they sold it for. Because our run was incredible. It was here. Right. But as soon as they sold it, it automatically just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
took a downslide. But yeah, but Professor was a was a huge piece, huge piece. That's crazy, man. So um, yeah, I mean that's that's crazy that that because you you guys must have been pretty tight with the guy that owned and won, right? Like, but how how did that first start, right? Like, what it was did the did that guy see these tapes and and highlights and you know how did that circle first start, right? Like that first core. No, um, the coach at Cardoza in New York took them to tape a skip. Mm. That's how that started. Right. Because yeah. mm-hmm. remember, you remember they was doing the t-shirts. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's how that started. So the coach, Skip, high school coach, took them to tape. Wow. That's crazy. So Skip didn't, like, argue over, like, taking that brand himself, or he just knew he needed to like, give them the, that responsibility? He, um, I, I only really know Skip's story. I really yeah. don't. Yeah. Like, I, knew, I know the college side and his background and stuff, but I don't, I don't really know the and one story. Right. That, that's interesting, though, that you mentioned, like, the greed, man. Like, that's unfortunate. Like, what, like, what did you, especially as the years, as you guys got bigger and bigger, right? Like, you know, it probably was more and more acting like a business. Um, like, what was your experience or, or what did you see in the professor that you felt like, man, like, that's just not right, you know? Um, well, one, like, not to, you know, it's, it's personal business stuff, but yeah, 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 yeah. his contract wasn't right. Um, and then, uh, I don't want to say mishandle him particularly. I want to say the Tor Perry in general in general, players in general, mm. they mishandled because they didn't want the players to be bigger than the brand. Mm. So they felt like, oh, if they get bigger than us, then yeah. they might get smart and go do it on their own. Mm. No, mm. that wasn't going to happen because any pick up, any game that was being played during that time was called an and one game. Right. It could be guys in South Florida that we had no clue about playing a game in a gym and charge people to come in People was like, I'm going to the and one game. It didn't have to have any of us in the gym. None of us. And it was considered an and one game. The name was branded. Mm-hmm. So for them to build the players up and make the players these, like the NBA do, the NBA markets and brands their players. They right. rise up the back of their players. Right. Like from a business part, that's what they should have did. Right. I don't think they did that. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Yeah, man. No, I feel that, man. Um, yeah, I get. I guess. Um, you know, do you guys still stay in touch often? You know, I mean, how how often? Like, um, do you guys reach out? You know, do, are you guys hoping to have an N1 reunion sometime soon, or <laughs> you guys all hit the court? That discussion stays around lingering, and uh, we all in touch. We got a group chat, so we we in there sometimes, a few times a week. It's almost every day somebody posts something, but the communication part, like. Certain topics that get all of us in there talking. Some yeah. things we're just looking at and see what they posted and just let it go. But it's rumblings about reunion. It's rumblings about documentaries and shows and people be reaching out to us and everything. But it's hard to get all of us on the same page to do something together. Yeah. So it's one of the things that may not ever happen. Yeah. How, how many people are in that group chat, man? That must be lit. Sheesh. I think everybody. I think yeah. everybody's in it. Like 20 yeah. or, or more? Or? How many of us was it? Is it 20? 
It's only the guys who actually played on our team, not opposing players. It's a few okay. opposing players. It's a few, a few opposing players in there. Yeah. But all the main guys in there. So I'm, I want to say it's probably about maybe 13. Wow. 13 in there. Yeah, that's dope, man. That's yeah. Dope. But yeah. I, it's one of the things I don't think it. You know, I don't think it made that vibe. Yeah. And man, I mean, a documentary. Yeah. You know, I'd be so down for that, man. <laughs> I'd be ready to go. Um, yeah. yeah. Thanks again, man. Appreciate it. Um. Thanks for taking the time. I guess to wrap it up, I guess, you know, do you have like one favorite memory of all time or, or, um, you know, or what do you want to be remembered for, you know, you know, life during in one or, or life after, right? Or Life after, definitely life after, because my story is much bigger than N1. And that's actually why I'm doing this book. So people can really see the insights of the things that I've been through right. with this basketball thing, you know, like to be considered a legend of the game period is, um, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for that and everything, but I want people to see that it was beyond the talent, mm. you know, like the things that I had to go through trying to chase my dream, the struggles, the teams that I played on, the cities I've been in, like it's, people don't know that story. They just know, oh, Prime from Anwar, oh, Prime from the Rucker Park, oh, Prime went to Georgetown, oh, Prime played in the league, nah. It's far beyond that. It's deeper than that. Much yeah. deeper than that, man. I've been through. I, and I'm, I'm thankful for it. I love it. And I think it's what I'm doing today. That was all necessary for me to be at this place I am now. You know, because I got a youth basketball organization, you know. So I think that I'm a coach at high school. So it's like me giving back now. These stories are necessary for people to really understand that grind and that hustle. Right. Why I am who I am now. Yeah. So how's uh yeah how, how's the high school team going? How's the uh, youth organization going? You enjoy? Both are going pretty well. So I coach girls, okay. and I'm at Riverdale Baptist in D.C., which ESPN just put out a list of the top um top schools for girls basketball in the country over the past like ten years or whatever. It's a school from California that's number one, and my school number two. Wow! Congrats! So that's, that's awesome! Congrats! That's dope. Yeah. that's dope, man. Um, yeah. yeah, when can we expect that book to come out, man? I'm already pumped. I'm already pumped. Man, God willing, man, I can get it out before this month is over. Well, once I send it to editing, they say it'll take two weeks after that and I can have it published. So it'll be soon. Wait, man. Yo, you got you to gotta let me know. Keep me updated on the book. And, um, yeah, send me the link for that merch, bro. I might have to cop it. <laughs> Definitely. Sure, I will. Definitely. Yo, appreciate it again, Prime, and stay in touch. Best of luck, man. And, and uh, yeah, thanks again for taking the time, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate you, man. Salute. All right. Have a good one. Thank you. You too.